Today, we get to finish our series, The Power to Change. Uh, so, uh, have you guys enjoyed this series? Maybe, kind of, kind of at least a couple of you did. Um, it's, a, it's been a good series. Um, I think it's been good. It's a good way to start the year. Uh, it's, you know, every year you kind of jump in and, and you think about where you are and where you should be and where you need to be and where you want to be. And, and sometimes, let's just be honest, it's frustrating. It's frustrating when you look at your life and you, you're not really where you anticipated you would be and where you want to be. And so I think this series has been good to help get our minds wrapped around what needs to change, what habits do we need to start, what uh, bad habits do we need to break, and, and how do we pull all that together. Uh, it's based on a book, a sermon series by a pastor and author named Craig Groeschel. Um, and so if you've read the book, and I know some of you have, You've noticed that I've been pulling out a lot of his quotes and uh, some of the sermon points have been quotes from the book. And then I've been adding in some of my own thoughts and and scripture passages to kind of to go along with it. But uh, it's been it's been good. Uh, I wanted to open up this morning with a quote by Pastor Mark Batterson. He said this in his book, Win the Day. He said, tomorrow may be a mystery, but destiny is not. Destiny is a daily decision. Over time, those daily decisions yield compound interest. If you do the right things day in and day out, God is going to show up and show off. I can't tell you when or where or how, and it will be on His terms, His timeline. But I do know this, you cannot break the law of sowing and reaping. It will make you or break you. The good news, you are only one decision away from a totally different life. And that's really what we're going to be talking about today, this whole idea of the law of sowing and reaping. Now, I don't know if you've ever really spent time, or some people think a lot about the future and some people don't think at all about the future, but have you ever thought, what is your life going to look like five years from now, or even 10 years from now, or even 20 years from now? It's a little bit scary doing that sometimes. Thinking about the person you want to be in five years or 10 years or 20 years. Uh, where do you want to be spiritually? Uh, you know, what, what desire is it that you need to overcome? Or what attitudes or struggles do you have that you want to uh, have, have fixed? And, and uh, what impact do you want to have on other people? And will you grow or will you stay the same? Statistically, uh, some of you in this room won't be in church five years from now or 10 years from now. Because we see time and time again people who just kind of quit going to church because it becomes less of a priority in their life. And, and so all of these things, right? Uh, what about relationally? Uh, what will be the shape of your friendships, your marriage? Again, statistically speaking, right? Uh, it's scary to see how many marriages don't work out in today's world. And so, do you want to be growing in that relationship? Do you want to have friends who are helping you grow to become more like Jesus? Or will you be more isolated than you are today? What about physically? Uh, Where you want to be five years, ten years? What about losing that weight that you keep saying you're going to lose? What about getting in shape and being healthier and having more energy? And, And then, what about financially? Uh, what about that area of your life? Will you be living paycheck to paycheck? Or will you uh, be able to support God's work and help those in need and be living kind of in, in the freedom of that? You see, I think when we really start looking like 
out and thinking about our life down the road, um, we, for many of us, it's like we have no idea where we're going to end up. We don't know what it's going to look like. But I want to tell you this morning, for the most part, we can have a, a, an accurate prediction of where our life is going. And, and here's why. And I'm just going to jump right in. The, the first point this morning, if you're taking notes, is this. The habits you have today will shape who you become tomorrow. The habits you have today will shape who you become tomorrow. Because for the most part, who you are today is a reflection of the habits and the lifestyle that you lived five years ago and even ten years ago. They have had an effect and brought you to the place where you are today. And so the question I have for you this morning as we kind of jump in is, do you like the direction your habits are taking you? Do you like where your life is going? Do you like the direction and the trajectory of your life and where you're going to be five years from now and ten years from now? Craig Rochelle said this. He said, uh, what if I could tell you whether you'll be better off financially, closer to God, healthier, more together than ever, happier, have a good circle of friends? Chances are I could. I don't have a special ability, but I could make an accurate prediction. The life you are living now is shaping the life you live tomorrow. Because your habits today are telegraphing your future. The life you are living right now is shaping the life you will live tomorrow. We all have the best intentions, but intentions don't determine direction. Actions do. We all have hopes, but hoping for a different future doesn't lead to a different future. Hope doesn't change your life. Habits do. And the, the whole idea is that that hope doesn't change where you're going to end up. Your intentions. You can have really good intentions. We talked about this last week. You can try really hard, but trying doesn't change your life. It's when you train. It's when you develop those habits, those God-honoring, God-seeking habits in your life. That's what starts changing the course of your life from where you are now to where God wants you to be. Just one more time, I, I think I need to remind you guys that we aren't talking about behavior modification. This isn't like a self-help, let's try hard, let's do this, you can do it, you've got the power within you. That's not, that's not what I'm talking about. It's not sin management where don't do this and don't do that and don't do this and, and try to look good for everybody else. No, that's not what I'm talking about either. We aren't focusing on the externals because real change is a result of spiritual transformation. Real change is Christ changing us from the inside out. It's the Holy Spirit working in us and then through us so that God can use us for His ways and His purposes. And it all happens, right, when we surrender to Christ, we're indwelled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit starts working in us. And what our role is, is to partner with the Holy Spirit instead of work against the Holy Spirit in our life. And so that's kind of what we're talking about uh, throughout this series. We've been saying that the habits, your habits shape your life. And maybe, you know, you're, you're sitting there, well, where does the Bible really talk about having good habits? Well, the Bible has a lot about principles. And I think Paul speaks to what I would say your habits are, but he does it using a metaphor. And so you see, in, in biblical times, they lived in an agrarian and an agriculture society. And so 
uh, for them, you think about this. If you were living in the first century, you didn't roll up to McDonald's and order a Big Mac, right? If you wanted to eat, what did you have to do? You had to plant your food. You plant the seeds. You had to, to cultivate it. You had to harvest it. You had to, to work at it. You had to, uh, if, if you had the wheat, you had to, you, you know, do, go through everything. You had to do all the work. So it wasn't like you could just say, ah, let's go down to the store and get something. It, 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 was a, it was a process, and it took time. And so many times when Paul was speaking, he used metaphors or he used illustrations that they would be able to relate to. And so he talked about agricultural terms and things that they were familiar with, and he applied that to their life. And we see that in Galatians chapter 6. And I want to point out just uh, three or four verses here. Uh, that are really powerful. Uh, and he says this. He says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. But whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So much in this little scripture passage here. Don't be deceived. In other words, God cannot be mocked. So God is telling us here, we better listen um, because this is the way that His kingdom works. You're, you're not smarter than God. You can try to do it your way, but it's not going to work out, okay? He's letting us know that there are some principles at play here that are true and that do apply to our life. And the, the truth that he wants us to understand is you reap what you sow, or in our language today, you harvest what you plant. And maybe that helps you understand. You harvest what you plant. You get out what you put in. Your outcomes will be determined by your inputs. The result of your life will be based on the decisions you make, the habits you start, and the habits you break. So what he's talking about here, right, is this spiritual example. We can either make choices and have habits that sow to the flesh, which is our sinful desires at war within us, the things that, that Satan is trying to tempt us to do to take our eyes off of Jesus. It's our own worldly desires, the prideful things, the, the lust of the flesh, the, all those things that, that Paul talks about that take our eyes off of Jesus. That's sowing to the flesh. That's taking our eyes off of Christ. Or, and if we do that, right, it, it, we know the consequences. We're going to reap destruction. But if we sow to the Spirit, right, it means we are, allow ourselves to be led by the Spirit. We allow ourselves to be empowered by the Spirit. We allow the Spirit to change us. So if we live our life for God, that's what you're going to get out of it. You're going to reap eternal rewards. You're going to be with Jesus forever. And so he, he's laying out this, this really op polar opposite choices we have. We can e either live for ourselves and do what we desire, or we can live for Jesus and do what He desires. And the consequences are either death or life. And again, that's a theme we see throughout Scripture. It's either you, you have to choose today, death or life. We have to choose whether we're going to reject Jesus or follow Jesus. And so I want to share with you, though, this morning... Out of this passage, 
what I would say is a spiritual law. There's a difference between a, a theory and a law, right? A theory is based on a hypothesis that you think it's true, and most of the time it probably is true, but you're not really sure about it. It really can't be repeated. It can't be proven. But a law is a law. It's true. It's going to be one of those things that you look at, it's repeatable. You can show that it is true. And so there's a law at work here in this passage. And I would say, I've heard it called this, it's the law of sowing and reaping. And so there's three parts to it, though, that we want to talk about this morning. And so the first part of it is simply what we've already said. You just you reap what you sow. It's pretty basic here, right? Uh, Paul talks about it here in Galatians, talking about the flesh versus the spirit. But he also talks about it even in financial terms, that you reap what you sow in generosity. Over in 2 Corinthians, he says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And, of course, this is kind of that common sense. If we help others, right, if we, if we sow, uh, sow generously, we're, we're, we want to be generous people. God's going to bless our generosity. And so there's a law of sowing and reaping. You know this if you've done any gardening or farming, right? If you plant apple seeds, what are you going to get? You're going to get an apple tree. It would be kind of crazy if you planted an, an, an apple seed and you're like, ooh, let's see what comes out of the ground this time. We don't know what's going to happen. Now, if you garden, that may happen because you get your seeds mixed up. We've done that before. And you have no idea what you planted until it pops out of the ground. Have you all done that? And then you're, but it's not like the seed changed in the soil. It, you just planted the wrong thing. But if you plant an apple tree, you're going to get uh, your apple seed. You're going to get an apple tree, right? And, and the same thing. If you plant corn, what you're going you're going to get corn. You're going to get what you're going to reap what you sow. You're going to harvest what you plant. That's just the way it works. But it, what's true in agriculture is also true in life. If you plant good habits, you're going to get good outcomes. If you plant bad habits, don't be deceived because you're, going to, you're, you're not going to experience good outcomes when you do repeatedly do something bad, when you sin, when you choose willfully to defy God's order and God's commands. If you're living ungodly habits, you're going to reap ungodly outcomes. In the Old Testament, there's a lot of talk about judgment from the prophets and the prophets would come in and speak to the, the Israelites and say, you've disobeyed God, you've done this, and as a result, this is going to happen. Or kind of the opposite, say, if you obey God, blessings are going to follow. Blessings follow obedience. But in Hosea, he, he very blunt here, he says this in, in chapter 10, verse 13. He says, you have planted wickedness. You, you have reaped evil you've planted wicked deeds and because of that you're going to reap evil there's consequences to our choices because we reap what we sow if your habits are always bad your harvest is not going to be good now now you know this right i mean we know let me put it in an example of everyday life if you go to work every day and you show up late and you have a bad attitude are you going to get promoted you're going to be lucky if you still have a job. 
Why? Because your actions, your habits have shown that you, they have consequences. And the consequence is you cannot be trusted uh, to, to take on more responsibility. And, and so, uh, again, right, your habits didn't back up the life that you wanted to live. The same thing is true with your physical life. If you eat anything you want, and, and, I, my, and I'll just be honest, I go through this in times like I'm like, I'm just going to get dessert. I'm going to eat that. But I'm going to eat that. And, you know, I notice it. The scale notices it, right? Because it has an, an effect uh, on your life, right? It's, it's, it's not a punishment. It's a harvest. It's a result of the choices you have made. So let, let me give you a statement that you want to write down. It's not up here, but if you, if you reap what you sow, then this is important. If you don't like what you're reaping, you need to change what you're sowing. Amen? If you don't like what you're reaping, you need to change what you're sowing. If you, don't, if you don't like what you're getting back, look at what you're planting in the ground. If you don't like where your relationships are now, you've you got to look at what you've planted in the ground. If you don't like where you are financially, if you're struggling right now, then you need to look at what you've planted. If you don't like where your life is spiritually, you need to look at what you're sowing. And here's what we do. And I don't even think we realize it sometimes. Things don't end up like we anticipate or we want. And so what do we do? Our marriage is in, is in trouble. It's struggling. And so our, our friendships are bad. Our, our job is terrible. And so what do we do? We blame God. God, why do you, do you allow me to get in this position, this predicament I'm in? God, why? We, we do that. We blame God. We blame everybody else. You won't believe. I, I can't get promoted at work. My boss is an idiot. Have you all ever said that? Um, you, you know, that's the, what we do as humans. We, we make excuses. We rationalize. And we blame everybody else instead of sometimes taking responsibility for the seeds that we have sown that have got us to where we are. Now, a little ca caveat here. There are times that other people's bad choices have impacted you, right? There are times that things happen that we don't have an explanation for. So you, I, I would, you know, when the man was born blind, Jesus didn't say, well, everybody's like, well, did he sin or his parents sin? He's like, no, it's just because the glory of God needs to be displayed in this situation. So I would say there are times, right, when we look and we don't understand why we're in the position we are, but we need to take ownership for what we have done to get us in that place. Are you tracking? So many times, right, we're in financial trouble and, and, and we, we had an unexpected bill. The problem is that we've overspent the past five years and got us, ourselves in debt and we had no money to, to spare. We had no emergency fund. And so I could just, you know, that's kind of what, where I'm, I want you to think about. You reap what you sow. And so if you don't like what you're reaping, you've got to change what you're sowing. You got, if you don't like the harvest, you've got to change the seed. But now you've wrapped your, your brain around the idea that you reap what you sow. Now it's time to blow your mind. Here's the second principle. You don't just reap what you sow. You reap more than you sow. Because when you sow a seed, what does God do? God multiplies it. 
God multiplies. Have you ever studied, uh, let me give you a, a, an example in life, then we'll kind of turn it to the, the spiritual component. Have you ever studied compound interest and how it works? Um, compound interest, when you invest money, you, you put money in the bank, it earns interest. Then that interest is combined with the original money and all of it together earns interest. And that just continually happens. And so what you may start with a little bit, and interest rates are finally coming up to a decent uh, amount now where you can actually make some interest. And what happens is your money starts increasing because it compa- the, the effect of interest compounds. There's even something in finance world called the rule of 72. Have you heard of this? If you want to know how fast your money will double based on interest, uh, you take 72, divide it by the interest rate that you're making. So let's say 8%, just because that works out good for math. And you could, you know, good mutual fund right now is probably making 8%. 72 divided by 8 is 9. So that means every 9 years your money will double because of compound interest. You start with 10,000, in 9 years you'll have 20,000. In 18 years you'll have 40,000. Why? Because of the power of compound interest. Uh, it's kind of a, and so that we know that works in finance, but can I tell you that's true in life? Who you are today is because of the cumulative effect of many choices that you have made. It's small choices that you have made over and over again. Uh, Craig Rochelle in his book, he, he talks about this, decisions shape your destiny. Little everyday decisions will either take you to the life you desire or they will take you to disaster. Uh, he, he quotes another guy, Darren Hardy, and he says this. He says, small, small sp- smart choices plus consistency plus time equals a radical difference. Small choices, consistent choices, over time will give you a radical, uh, make a radical difference. Let me give you another example, just because I'm, uh, I'm feeling convicted this week because I'm trying to lose weight. I like Dr. Pepper. Does any of y'all like Dr. Pepper? Do y'all, and Dr. Pepper can be hard to find sometimes, and sometimes you have to drink the Mr. Pib, which is just a cheap knockoff, in my opinion. Uh, or if you're really uh, struggling, sometimes it's Dr. Thunder. Um, <laughs> but, you, you know, Dr. Pepper... I like it. And so a single 12-ounce can of Dr. Pepper. And here's what I'm doing. I'm like, I'll just have one can. It won't matter. It won't matter. It's fine. Or you'll go out to eat at a restaurant. I'll just get a soft drink this one time. I'll get a Dr. Pepper. And a single 12-ounce can of Dr. Pepper has 150 calories. It's not bad. In the scope of a day, you're like, I can handle that. If you drink a single Dr. Pepper every day, uh, and let's just say over a two-year period, and like that's kind of averages out to one a day because when you go out, you get a soft drink, you drink one maybe for supper at home. You, 150 calories a day for two years. It's 109,000 calories, over 109,000 calories. You know what that actually, if you change nothing else in your diet or exercise routine and you add drinking a single Dr. Pepper every day, do you know what that means? It means over the course of two years, you will gain 31 pounds. Small choices over time have a dramatic impact. So that also, you can use that to your advantage though. Because if you're drinking a Dr. Pepper right now, or a sweet tea, right? My, my, that's my other weakness, sweet tea. If you drink a sweet tea every day, and it's got more calories than that, 
Um, but if you drink that, uh, you know, you, you look at that and you just eliminate one a day from your diet and do nothing else, over two years you'll lose 31 pounds. It's a pretty big swing, guys. And, and, and just, I threw this in here for the first service. I'll, I'll tell you guys too. And the problem is, most of the time, it's not just a single Dr. Pepper, right? It's the Grande Caramel Ribbon Crunch Ribbon Frappuccino, which has 470 calories. They add up. Little choices you make. And can I just ask you, is it worth it, right? I mean, is it really worth it over time? Those little things, that explains the principle of what I'm talking about. You don't just reap what you sow, you reap more than you sow. It's small, consistent habits done over time that give you a positive result. Scripture says it this way. If we look in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, what we see is talking, uh, Jesus explaining the parable of the four types of soil, right? The, there's some seeds that you plant that take off, some get choked out. But he said when a seed is planted in the right type of dirt, with the right nutrients, right? Here's what happens. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's Word and then produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even a hundred times as much as had been planted. And when you, you know, if you plant a wheat seed, you're not going to get a single grain of wheat back. You're going to get a, 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 you know, it's going to have a wheat stalk that's going to produce hundreds of wheat seeds. If you plant an apple seed, right, uh, you're going to grow an apple tree. It's not just going to give you one apple. It's going to give you thousands of apples over time that continually produce fruit. And so the idea here is, right, when we understand the same thing is true for our choices and our habits, the little things we do now will have a compound interest effect. As we invest in those choices day after day, time after time, we may not see the results immediately, but they will start growing exponentially. Uh, C.S. Lewis even talked about this um, in his book, Mere Christianity. He said, good and evil both increase at compound interest. That is why little decisions you and I make every day have such infinite importance. The smallest good act today is the capture of a strategic point from which a few months later you may be able to go on to victories that you never even dreamed of. An apparently trivial indulgence in lust or in anger today is the loss of a ridge or a railway line or a bridgehead from which the enemy may launch an, an attack otherwise impossible. So he's using military terms. He's like, an advance or a retreat or we're giving the enemy a, a, a chance to attack us because we're giving away a, a valuable position in our life. And, and he's using that to teach us, right? That's how important each and every little choice is that you make because it adds up over time. What you do consistent, consistently, it makes all the difference because it has a cumulative effect. It compounds. A, a small change in your life can change everything. It's the law of reaping and sowing. You reap what you sow, but you also reap more than you sow. But there's also a third point to that. You also reap after you sow. You reap after you sow. This is the frustrating part. part because if you plant a seed in, in, in your garden... Uh, you want to come out the next day and see it fully grown. It doesn't work that way. It takes time. It takes cultivation. 
It takes effort, right? You, you plant in the fall, you reap in the spring. You reap in the spring, you, you, or you plant in the you know, spring, you reap in the, uh, in, in, the, in the summer. And this is why we get so discouraged. Because we don't see progress fast enough. You, you pray every day for like five days straight, and then nothing changes in the situation you're praying about. So you're like, God doesn't hear me, He doesn't care, I'm just going to quit. You go to the gym one time and uh, maybe you go a couple times in a week and, and, and you're sore and, and you get on the scale at the end of the week and you haven't lost any weight and you're like, why am I even doing this? And so you quit. You, you, your, your marriage is struggling. So you go to a counselor and you, you meet with a marriage counselor and you go home and you have another argument and you're like, see, it's not working. I'm give up. I'm done. So that's what I'm talking about, right? We have to realize that that results take time. And if I could tell you one truth, it's, it's just don't quit. Don't quit. Don't get discouraged. It's what you sow today. You may not see the return on your investment until the next season in your life. But sowing is all about the future. And it's worth the wait, but we don't always act like it. And so we think that our small decisions don't really matter that much, but our lives are the sum total of all these small decisions that we make. Because in every action that you choose, what you're doing, you're choosing the direction of your life. Intention doesn't determine your direction, but your choices do. And, and so the hardest part about harvesting is that, that it takes time to see your efforts pay off. And so a lot of people just get tired. They give up. I was reading in another book a while back, and this, this quote stuck out, stuck out to me. as Mark Batterson, and he said, Do you know that the first thing that Noah did after he was told that he had to build a very large boat, build the ark? According to the Jewish rabbinic tradition, there's a lot of tradition like that's been passed down from generation to generation. It's not in the Bible, but according to Jewish rabbinic tradition, the first thing that Noah did is he planted trees. And I thought, I thought that was kind of interesting, right? Um, because he realized if he was going to accomplish something big that God was telling him to do, he had to prepare for it. It meant it took time. It took preparation. And I would say we live in this, in this generation where we want instant gratification. Um, you know, again, right, when we're on a diet, we want to see the results right now. And so everybody's looking for the diet where you can lose weight the quickest without any effort. And I'm just telling you, it does not exist. Right? It, 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 that, that, we, we, real change takes time. It takes preparation. And, and so remember, the, getting the life you want, it's going to be the result of a countless seemingly uh, number of small decisions that you've done consistently over time. They may, each decision by itself may seem insignificant, but when you pile them up, when you, when you look at all of them together, it will change your direction, your destiny. Let's go back to Galatians 6 again. And, and there's that, that last verse in that passage I read earlier, I think is important for us to, to look at. He says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. And, and I think when we kind of step back and think about that, it, it makes more sense now. All right? Don't give up. 
Don't be weary. Don't be discouraged because you're going to reap a harvest if you keep going. But if you give up, you're going you're to miss the end result. And so whether it's your marriage or your health or your finances or your spiritual life, they may be struggling now, but don't grow weary in doing what is good and what is right. You've got to keep pressing forward. You're in one season, but if you don't quit, one day you're going to wake up in a new season. And that's the, you know, you're, you're going to reap a harvest. You'll realize that everything uh, that you've put in, right, is going to make a difference. James Clear wrote another book about habits called Atomic Habits. And what he calls this, 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 this time between when we plant and when we harvest, he calls it the valley of disappointment. And I think that's a pretty apt description of it, isn't it? It's a valley of disappointment because we feel like all of our trying has been worthless and we're wondering, is this really going to make a difference? Is anybody going to notice? Is this going to make a change in my life? And we're struggling, we're worried, and, and it's the valley of disappointment. And so I want to leave you with this thought. And I think this is an important one for us to think about. And it's simply this. We don't judge the success of each day by the harvest we reap, but by the seeds we sow. We've got to have a future mindset about our life. We've got to choose now to do what's going to benefit us later. And the problem is so often we make a choice based on what's going to benefit us right now instead of what's going to benefit us five years from now. And so we make the choice, and, and, and right, I mean, and, and I'm going to tell you, sometimes sin in the moment feels good, and it, it's what we want to do. We don't realize the consequences it's going to have five years later. We've got to start making choices based on that five-year plan, or the ten-year plan. And so if you don't like the direction that your habits are taking you, if you don't like what you're reaping, you've got to change what you're sowing. You've got to plant the right seeds and the right habits. And Psalm, in the book of Psalms, um, it opens up in Psalm 1. And I don't have verse 1 and 2 on the screen, uh, but let me read them to you. It just says, The joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, and they meditate on it day and night. And then in verse 3, he says, this is what you do when, when you're that type of person where you don't join in with what everyone else is doing wrong. Instead, you do what you know is right. You follow Jesus. They del- you delight in the law of the Lord. He, verse 3 says, they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. Can I just tell you, that's the type of person I want to be. That's the kind of person we all need to be. And when we make these small choices over time, we develop a strong root system in our life that enables us to be fruitful, that enables us to handle when the hard times come. And that kind of brings me to something I wanted to bring up here, and I I think now's a good time to talk about it. You reap now, you're reaping now what you sowed in the past. And some of you, you're probably reaping stuff now that you wish you weren't reaping because your past choices have consequences that you are experiencing right now. 
And, and, uh, and we can pray for forgiveness. We can, God will forgive you. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But you know what that verse doesn't say? It doesn't say that he will remove every consequence. It doesn't say that we'll get a free pass on experiencing. Uh, no, we still go through the consequences of our bad choices. And so for some of you right now, you're reaping. You may be going through a tough time in your life because you're reaping some tough consequences. Can I tell you, um, we can't do anything about this year's harvest, but we can change next year's. We can change the next season of our life. There's an old proverb, maybe you've heard it. The best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. You heard that? The second best time to plant a tree is today. And so can I just encourage you, if you're going through a hard season in your life right now, don't give up, but instead start sowing, start planting, start doing what you know is right, and don't underestimate the power of a single seed. And so what seeds do you need to plant? What habits do you need to start? What bad habits do you need to break? It's only by God's help we can do this. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit transforming us to be more like Christ in everything we do. It all starts when we surrender to Him. And today, as we have an opportunity to surrender, I could think of no better way to wrap up this series than by taking the Lord's Supper together. And so we're going to just think about the times that God is moving in your life and calling you to be more patient or more kind and what the, that's the spirit of christ working within you it's the holy spirit changing you and it's a slow process it's a messy process but in, in this in the lord's supper we find strength to keep going on the bread when we take the lord's supper together and the lord's supper is a time for all believers if you're a believer in jesus uh, you put your faith and trust in Him. It's a time for us to, to join together. It, we remember how His body was broken for our healing. The cup signifies that His blood was poured out, that it washes away our sin and shame. When we take it together, we remember His sacrifice. We also remember how He's changed us. We're no longer alone in this process, this spiritual transformation. We're bound together with every other believer. We're united by the love of Jesus. We're empowered by His grace. We're committed to be more like Him. And so when we take the Lord's Supper, what we're doing, we're focusing on Jesus. We're acknowledging our own sin, our own imperfections, our need that we need to continue to change. But we're celebrating that Jesus has not forgotten us. That He's coming back. And that one day He's going to return and we'll be with Him forever. And so that's something that we really truly have to celebrate. So I'm going to ask you guys to pray with me as we prepare for the Lord's Supper. Uh, and then we'll take it together. Let's, uh, let's all pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for today. We thank You that Your Word is just so uh, encouraging to us. It, it, it changes us as we learn more and more about Your will and Your ways. And so today, Lord, I pray that you would help us to continue to become the person that you've called us to be. You have a plan and a purpose for each person in this room. And it starts when we surrender. When we say, I'm tired of doing life my way, but instead I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm going to trust Jesus alone to save me. And I'm going to follow Jesus as my Lord, my master, my ruler. So I pray for each person in this room. 
every person listening online, that today would be the day that they would say, I'm ready to surrender. I'm tired of doing life my way. I'm going to start sowing the seeds of righteousness right now, right here in my life. And it starts with trusting you. And so today, Lord, as we have this opportunity, I pray again for each person that they would be able to say without a doubt, I know you. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. You've saved me. You've changed me because I've confessed that you are Jesus. You are the Lord. You are my Master. I believe that God, that you raised Jesus from the dead after three days. And because of that, my sins are forgiven. I can have life with you forever. And I now have a purpose for my life. Lord, we just thank you for that, that truth, that, that promise of salvation that you've given us. And as believers, we come to you today confessing our sin, acknowledging that we've fallen short day after day, but through the body of Jesus being broken for us on that cross, his blood being poured out, we have forgiveness, we have peace, we have a hope, and we have a future. And so today, as we take this supper together, would you forgive us of our sin, cleanse us from our unrighteousness? Would you bless the bread and and the wine today as we celebrate who you are and what you've done in our life? It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.